fun tidbit. The show that I'm working on, the reshoots, it's a Lee Daniels movie. He did Precious. He produced Monsters Ball. I liked Precious. That's Pam Greer's character's name in Black Mama, White Mama. It's Lee Daniels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> Welcome back, pod people, to a very special episode of Cinema de More. I'm your host, Justin Morgan, and I'm here with... Oh, shit. Jacob Rowland. I'm back, y'all. Bringing the Southern flavor. Oh, no. Jacob, thanks for coming back. I'm just happy to be here. I love talking about garbage. It's my favorite genre. I like things that suck. If it's terrible... I probably have it in my giant pile of shit behind me. Just piles of garbage. That's why y'all brought me on this month, so I could talk about garbage. And I'm Lexi. I'm also here. Are you good, Jacob? Yeah, I'm here now. Did we start? We sure did. Your introduction is already taken care of. (laughs) Shit. Woo! All right. I'm back. The theme for the month is Grindhouse Double Features. It is my episode today, and I went with Women in Prison, and I'm the only person that didn't do a double feature of a director. Yes, but you chose the right ones to do. Somehow, we each are in different decades. Lexi did the 60s. I am in the 70s. Chuck is going to be in the 80s. I'm a weatherman. We're going to be in the 80s next week. I chose the Women in Prison Grindhouse theme. I went with Ito's female prisoner, 701, colon, scorpion. (laughs) There you go. And then black mama, white mama. Okay, move along there. Black mama, white mama, two of the toughest chicks ever put behind bars. Fate tossed them together in the same prison, but their color kept them apart until they escaped, chained together at the wrists. Black mama, white mama. With nothing to go back to, nothing up front but trouble. Black mama, white mama, they endured every humiliation imaginable in a woman's prison, and now they were free, a thousand miles from nowhere, bound together by chains, hate, and the erotic desires a woman gets after a thousand nights without a man. See, black mama, white mama, rated R, under 17, not admitted without a parent. Black mama, white mama, they were free. But not from each other. So I got a little bit of Japanese yeah. and a little bit good old of Pam Greer at her finest. Kind of American, I think. Is Eddie Romero like a? I don't think he's an American. <laughs> I thought it was definitely an American film, but it was set in it like is. what the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. So did y'all ever see the documentary Electric Boogaloo? Yeah, I did. It talks about a lot of that stuff. Joe Dante was actually one of the people making these kind of movies back in the 70s. It's where he got his start was making these films because it was cheap for them to film in the Philippines. Yeah. So they made a lot of these like jungle type movies and Philippine movies where they got all the actors in there. So they worked with a lot of the uh, actual Filipino, English speaking Filipino actors. And they just busted out these movies left and right. Super cheap to make, super easy to do. People fucking hated it because they would just get eat up by mosquitoes, you know, sunburned dehydrated good times 
in the 70s where they didn't care if you got skin cancer, but the ozone layer was probably a little bit more protective. Yeah, it's fun. You can blow shit up all the time. <laughs> yeah, great. you're right. They really are. They are always blowing shit up in the Philippines. But there, there's a really cool documentary I highly recommend called Electric Boogaloo, and it covers the whole Grindhouse era up into the canon films from the 80s. It goes into all the just extreme, over-the-top, cheesy B-movies that came out either in the Grindhouse cinema era circuit or straight to video. Uh, it's really cool to see that transformation. So basically, when you had straight to video in the late '80s and '90s, it was it was what happened with Grindhouse. They stopped sitting with theaters, and they're like, "All right, just bust these out on video, rent them." Yeah, and the titles change a lot too. So many times, it covers all my favorite garbage movies in one documentary. It really does. I actually, I watched Electric Boogaloo and now I'm proud to say I own every single movie they talked about. And then when I watched it, I had owned half of them. Every piece of garbage in that one movie. I've watched two. I've watched two documentaries. What was the other documentary? The four hour movie about horror films. <laughs> there's two of them. So I've actually watched three now. There's three of them. There's three. Oh, there's a new one. So I'll watch that and it'll be my fourth oh documentary. My As this episode goes on, Jacob realizes he's watched more and more documentaries. I like to culture myself every now and then, get a little class. Fun fact, Justin, about that documentary that he's talking about. It is made or produced by James Rolfe. Yeah. Yeah. Never heard of the guy. And Electric Boogaloo covers the whole Chuck Norris franchise and how that started out. I know how you love the angry video game nerd. It's always good to bring him back up on this show. <laughs> he was the better of the YouTube movies that we've covered. Yeah, look, I like trash, but hearing the reviews and the way you, you guys talked about the uh, YouTube movies, I was like, damn, maybe I don't want to venture. <laughs> and then a small part of me was like, I kind of want to see it. But then I was like, I, I don't know. So I'm going to wait till I can find it for free because the damn sure ain't paying for it. These movies that I chose, these two movies, they're both highly stylized whatever you're watching is interesting even if it's the plot that you've seen a thousand times before it's somehow better i really like black mama white mama it is a women's prison movie that was huge in the sexploitation era but it was also starting to cross over black exploitation because you had pam greer one of the biggest stars from that time which by the way her best movie ever is coffee also starring sid Haig, which i love that he was in this movie as well he always pops up in her films and it was funny this is the first time he was in a movie with her where he had no interactions with her whatsoever and i loved cowboy sid Haig. i think this is her first movie it may have been was this her first? no this couldn't have been her first the black exploitation movies like were after this so this came first mm -hmm. that's awesome okay I stand corrected. That's so cool. This might not be her first movie, but it's her her breakout movie. Yeah, because she was like the leading lady for every black exploitation film, and especially action movies. And she did a lot of great fucking awesome seventies action films. Like she was just fucking cool. And I love the way she like used all the cool seventies lingo. She's like, "Don't jive me." <laughs> it was awesome. And then she fucking slapped that bitch left and right. It was great. And of course, let's not forget the most amazing scene ever of Pam Greer, which is the hot box titty scene covered in sweat. What's actually funny, too, is this Margaret Markov, White mm -hmm. Mama, codename White Mama, I guess. They don't have them really called that in the movie. <laughs> they're in a couple movies together, and I think they're in a movie called The Hot Box, which is not this movie. I don't even know what it's about. Well, you know what's cool, too, about White Mama, Black Mama is it is a women's prison film for the first 20 minutes, and then it flips the script and does its own thing, and it just follows them 
with their escape and it's all about them escaping. And while at the same time you have this main story happening, you have these subplots happening. It's not very woman's prison. Cause it, like it drops the woman's prison stuff very quickly. Not entirely. Cause even when they get out of prison, they're at least chained together for a big duration of the movie. I get that. But I would have liked to have spent more time with creepy lesbian warden. I would have liked more time in the prison. The warden that you're talking about, not just creepy, like sexually harasses all the inmates, watches them in the shower and stuff. And I honestly don't think I've seen anything like that in a movie that's not a dude. It reminded me very much of like the Ilsa films, the Ilsa She Wolf of the SS films. Like mm-hmm. it had very like Ilsa vibes. So I was like super here for it because I actually really like the Ilsa films. <laughs> They're, like some of my favorites. Also had that shot from Psycho where he's peeking through the hole. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's cool too because it really does within the first 20 minutes while they're in the prison, it covers everything that those women's prison films cover. You've got the lesbianism, you've got the nudity. You've got the uh, hot showers with the big group of naked women together. You've got the abusive guards who are also female as well. It hits all the right notes. You got the the, the cat fights. You got the the torture, the mild torture. As Lexi told me, it passes the Bechdel test. Both of these films pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. It's because they can't help but pass it. They have no option because they're chained together. They are far from respectable to women, like in any conceivable way. On the plus side, all the male characters are pieces of shit when we compare these two films i liked both of these movies i didn't dislike either one but i feel like we rushed through and didn't get enough sexy woman prison time with black mama white mama whereas i think i'm just gonna call it 701 scorpion that's or whatever. fine 701 Scorpion's fine. Does a much better job of giving me a full-on, proper woman's prison film. Oh, yeah. It's a whole film of woman's prison. I don't want to necessarily debate it right now, but I don't necessarily know if I feel that 701 is appropriate for Grindhouse. Oh, it is. I'm on the fence about it. I actually get where you're going with that because I absolutely love that movie. And in fact, it's a franchise. There's like three others that follow it and they get very political and they move away from, cause it's only the first movie. And I think the beginning of the second movie, that's still a prison film. After that, it goes into its own direction, but you're right because it's way better looking cinematically. It's beautiful. The lighting is amazing. The story is wonderful. The acting is great. The nudity is top notch and the chicks look hotter. <laughs> The violence is good. The violence is really good. There's some really good, complicated shots with it. But when you think about Japanese cinema, like they don't have the budgets that we do. And it does feel a lot like how typical Japanese cinema is, like with the, the over-the-top characters and like they almost have that anime quality to them. And they always kind of push like emotions and feelings and actions and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you stab them slowly and angrily. You can see how one would say like has like a cheesy exploitation quality to it. But then when you pay attention to how Japanese film and television is and you could say all Japanese film and television kind of has a cheesy exploitation quality to it. 
I mean, this is more exploitative than most Japanese movies that I've watched. It, it definitely is, but Lexi is onto something because you're right. It's taken serious. It's not cheesy to them. It's taken very serious. With the Black Mama, White Mama, it's not serious. It's just a fun time. That's an exploitation film. It's full of jokes. It's full of silliness. It's full of like great just slap. Like I love the fucking cat fight scene where they're chained together and they just start slapping each other around and tussling. <laughs> yeah. and they Also, I love that they're prison units. Uniform is a short shirt. Their panties are like constant. They always need to do these low shots. They're like panty shots. All right, this is your photo mat receipt. Uh, uh, excuse me, could you tell me approximately when my pictures will be done? Of course, I, I can. I mean, tell I don't you. want to pin you down or anything, but within a couple of days. No, I can tell I mean, you exactly. The trouble is, I'm going out of town, uh-huh. and I would like to have the pictures with me. Yes. And I don't have to leave right away, but you know, I can vary it within a couple I of days myself. I understand. I've got it in writing here, sir. So yeah. Right on your receipt. Uh-huh. Introducing the photo mat picture pickup promise. Now you know exactly when you're pictures are ready because it's in writing you've written it oh yes it's written in writing right there on the receipt oh no, no 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 you don't have to do that i mean you get in trouble for that's that no problem. Mean, yeah. is you talking or is this photo mat talking it's a photo mat policy we'll tell you just how long it takes photo mat to make your film into the best pictures possible and have them ready that quick if they're not ready you get a free roll of film photo mat knows what you're doing sure. the photo mat picture pickup promise for all photo mat and kodak film are you sure mm-hmm. sure and visitor is back the pocket camera with built-in flash includes batteries film gift box and carrying case just 35.95 participating and they dress up as they dress up as nuns i mean they cover they check every fucking box while at the same time it flips the script on women are you talking about 701 i'm still talking about black mama white mama remember that scene when they're checking every box <laughs> they're literally checking every box <laughs> they're yeah. walking over the guards in that really weird way <laughs> to be like yep we're just mm-hmm. making sure they're not hiding anything well what's cool is at the same time when white mama black mama is intentionally doing what they're doing and being a exploitation film being a women's prison film while also kind of changing the you know the script a little bit and at the same time checking off every box that we expect from these kind of films 701 scorpion does the same thing but it's not meant to be cheesy it's not meant to be a you know a women's prison film per se to that point not american wise but we are watching this through the american lens but they also check all the boxes and it's so much better it's so way better done and the women they don't just fucking catfight in that movie they fuck each other up and kill each other it's great that rape sequence is like incredibly interesting the use of the yeah. glass floor and the shot up through mm-hmm. the glass floor and it's reversed because it was an undercover guard and it wasn't the guard raping the prisoners the prisoner turning around on her and making her fall for her it was a weird rape scene. There are some things going on here where I'm like, this goes beyond like just exploitation. I'm like, this goes to like experimental. Well, the Japanese are very repressed mm-hmm. people too. So there was a lot of commentary in there. <laughs> no, it was good. I really like, I appreciated it. I was like, there's some incredibly interesting shots in this film. I think the scene of her being forced to dig the hole. And then when they make them all come out and fill in the hole when she's there, Mm -hmm. it's a very powerful film. There's a certain degree to it that where it stops being exploitative. She's a very powerful character where she's been through this horribly traumatic experience and she's been exploited nonstop throughout it, but she doesn't let it affect her. She keeps being a powerful character despite the trauma that she's been through and she doesn't allow it to affect other people either. Like she defends people who deserve to be defended she yep she's a really good character she's a wonderful female well, character she's strong. like 
all the women are strong in that too. You're absolutely right. Like they build her up in such a great way that like it shows the struggles, what she goes through, having to fight back, learning how to be cunning and, and how to use, you know, her strengths, you know, when it's appropriate and, you know, how to get through it. But then in the last 15 minutes, she finally escapes, gets her revenge and she kills off men left and right. Like it ain't nothing. So I love how strong they make all the women in this movie. They make them all extremely strong characters. Yeah. You even have the riot scene at the end, which is wonderful. When we're dealing with like, exploitation, I didn't feel exploitation from this film. Felt like I was watching a fairly lower budget, but still fairly powerful Japanese film from the 70s. And I think it's Criterion, isn't it? Era. I'm honestly shocked it's not Criterion. I think it was Era that it had a release for it. Am I muted? No. No, you're not muted. You're good. Yeah, Arrow has a great box set. Okay. I'm like, it's Arrow. And they're like, I think it's Arrow. And I'm like, yeah, somebody here. Hear you. <laughs> It's definitely exploitation even for Japan, but I think the grindhouse lens is only from what the Americans would be seeing at the time. A hundred percent from how we're seeing it, it fits. Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you brought this movie, I feel like if this movie was over, because I don't know, I don't have the numbers on me. I didn't look up the information. Maybe you did. 701. That's the number. But I feel like if 701 was brought here to be seen in cinemas around you know mm-hmm. America at the time in the 70s, I would assume the only way it would have gotten out was during a grindhouse double feature. Oh, yeah. Like I could see this movie playing right after Black Mama, White playing Mama. Playing it with all the Shaw Brother type things easily. And the Shaw Brothers, yeah, with the Kung Fu in, this, in the Chinese cinema, yeah. Those movies played together for sure. And those did play in the uh, grindhouse circuit. Here's correlation number one for me. In 701, it opens with a failed escape. And there's a guard that comes. He's like waiting in this tall grass in like a swampy area. Way out there for like no reason whatsoever. And if you look at how he looks physically, I'm pretty sure he's Japanese Sid Haig. He looks identical to how Sid Haig looks in Black Mama, White Mama. Sid Haig could play anything. (laughs) Especially a cowboy in the Philippines. <laughs> He's like a bounty hunter of some sort. He is such a good actor, too. And what everyone says is like how friendly he is. And he's like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. They say in the minute he starts filming, though, he's like the scariest person alive. He like goes 100% into his roles. I just feel bad that he had to watch me do the hot patootie like for an entire like month. Several yes, times. The good thing is he watched you. Well, that was Devil's Rejects, said Haig. So I'd been yeah. nervous. No, he was fine. The whole female prisoner series. I actually think the second movie's better. Uh, the third and the fourth movie kind of lose it in quality a little bit. There's kind of revenge all around for both of these movies. Strongly the protagonist in 701, you find out very early on, was set up. And so she's out there wanting to escape to get her revenge Mm. and it's a little lighter on the black mama white mama side with exactly yeah we don't know what they're in there for they're just there one's a prostitute she's not in jail i guess for stealing she was put in jail by her pimp because she tried to steal from him that's that's what i picked up on and the other one was a revolutionary Mm -hmm. she's trying to get guns to everybody on the island to fight back against and pam greer's like i don't give a fuck i want to get the fuck out of here I loved it. And I love that her character stayed true to that the whole way through the movie. And they built this little friendship throughout the throughout the film. And I also loved the ending to it, too. It was great. I was going to say, Black Mama, White Mama had that twist ending there with the, the White Mama not making it. Mm-hmm. Killed off the white lady. 
Save the black lady. I loved it. Psychologically, who were you more akin to in Black Mama, White Mama? Which Well, I'm biased because I love Pam Greer, so it's always Pam Greer. Anytime I see Pam Greer pop up in any film, I'm like, hell yeah, it's Pam Greer. Lexi, whose ideology did you fit more into? Pam Greer was more about survival, and Margaret, White Mama, she wanted to die for an idea. Right. And I'll say this. A part of me wants to think that I would be like White Mama, that I would be revolutionary. But deep down, I would just be Pam Greer. be like, fuck this. I just want to survive and get out of here. See, I'm the opposite. I'd like to think I'm like Pam Greer, but I'd probably end up revolutionizing. <laughs> you just become a martyr. He's type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. situation turned a bit better for me this time though in the long run with my court stuff but still like that's the first time that's ever gone in my favor like fighting against something like that like usually that shit does not go in my favor so it's just like but i always fight you have the drive to win and regardless you still stood up for what you needed to i just don't like seeing injustice and it just pisses me off i don't want to get involved and i want to stay out of shit like it just happens i just like get involved whenever i see like injustice i I know you're talking about real world things but when that's in a script i think that's because the majority of people are supposed to relate to like i can't take this injustice i'm with this character now all right I think the thing I'm trying to figure out is why do I watch these grindhouse movies? Because they're awesome and fun. I see more potential and better films from these movies than I do large feature, large budget major motion pictures. It's refreshing to watch these now. There's nothing like them. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, the grindhouse films, they're not formulaic. They have their things well, that they're yeah. like about, like making sure you have a certain quota of nudity, a certain quota of gore, and a certain quota of action explosions. But other than that, they don't follow formulas. They do their own thing. They open up how they want to open. They end how they want to end. And they just try original concept, which still to this fucking day holds. And it's still enjoyable because you're like, this is so refreshing. And it was made 60 fucking years That's ago. That's usually because they don't have the skills. Of the two genres we've covered so far, I like 2000 Maniacs a lot, like just as a film. When I watch Color Me Blood Red, like I see this whole other film with it. I envision this whole other, like 
it's so much more deeper and intriguing of a story to me. I see it so much potential from it. The 701, like I didn't have to see more potential from it. I thought that was a brilliantly done film. Like there was so much interesting stuff going on in it. I've wanted to watch those for years. Like those have been sitting on a list of stuff that I've wanted to watch. And it's just like, well, it's like, oh, they're, you're like, exploit. I'm like, they're not exploitation. There was an incredibly interesting and deep and like moving film. And I'm like, there are some things you could shuffle around and there are some areas that you could like move this around and what have you. But I'm like, all the shit that we watch, like all these like fucking movies that we sit around and watch like and, and pay like, oh, Avatar. I'm like, fuck Avatar. I'm like, did you watch this thing that we just watched? I'm like, what was the budget on that fucking thing? I'm like, probably didn't even cost like more than a million. Dollars. I want the Avatar budget for a 701 sequel. I don't want to watch that shit and i'm over here watching stuff that people are like classifying as shit and i'm like yeah it has no money put behind it and i know it's like been put into this particular category but i'm like these movies have such good stories like the stories in all of these are good but lexi that's a good point because you're talking about money and a lot of these movies end up being better because they have to be creative they don't have the money yeah, they take a chance and even with taking a chance and doing something crazy and wild and elaborate, they pull it off. It works. Uh, and you know what's cool too about 701 Scorpion is the fact that like, I don't know if you guys noticed, there's this moment where in a way it is more art house than it is grindhouse uh, because they have this amazing scene in 701 where, uh, is it Mutsi, Mushimi? Mm-hmm. She's just backing away from this crazy she naked chick run. who has blood running down her face. But the way they light her, it looks like Kabuki theater. She's all <laughs> yeah, painted they do. Yeah. white, and the blood on her face makes it look like a mask. And she's got that glass and it's all Kabuki style. And then it ends with her going to stab Mutsumi and ends up stabbing that guard in the eye. And all of a sudden, like the lights go back to normal. She's yeah. lit in a different way. And it's like, yeah. oh, you're out of this nightmare Kabuki scene and into this back into the film. And it was so cool the way they did that. I was going to bring this exact scene up, too, because exactly what you're talking about. I really love the transition back to reality because the guard is not as phased as you think somebody would be who just got stabbed in the eye with a sharp <laughs> He's like, it's the holiday season, isn't it? What great happy times, families and friends getting together. Let me ask you, is your house the one that everyone seems to drop in on? Like all of a sudden you got a party on your hands? Well, when it happens, you discover what, oh, thank heaven for 7-Eleven means. Everything you need in one little neighborhood store. All right, the party's buzzing. You sneak out the back door, scoot over to 7-Eleven, get the soft drinks, the sparkling water, the ginger ale, the Collins mix, the ice cream, the canned nuts, the ice, and you're back home before they miss you. Now, that's why they call 7-Eleven the, oh, thank heaven store. He straight up just strangles her with the glass in his eye. He's like, I'm having enough of this shit. He just has glass in his eye and he's like, he's like, break this shit up. Like he's just like, he's he great. Care that he's like permanently lost an eye. No, that's really cool because it jumps to her point of view and it is like, it gets lit real dark. And what's great about that warden that I like is it's, he is an asshole, but he's not 
raping or torturing these well excuse me he's not raping these women but he's definitely torturing them when he does his punishments you know with the digging holes and shit but by the end of the movie when she does her escape they're following her around they know that she's out there getting her revenge and he's just like fuck it let it play out we'll catch her when it's done and the movie ends with them like she gets her revenge and it's like well what's happening and it just shows her walking back into the prison like she's walking back in like all right i'm done i'm back <laughs> It's like, all right, all, all is good now. Well, and you're talking about art house too. It is very art house whenever they do the flashback. Yeah. Happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it is almost like theater play because it's just go through the motions and like that one moment where they literally flip the stage and it's, it's supposed to be another scene of the movie. Well, even the outside area that they like dig the hole in, it's like uh, it's it, a stage. It's, it it so is good. a stage, but it's like lit in this like weird. It's like always a cloudy day. It's never a nice day. And if it is a nice day, it's early morning, so it's like orange. It's dark blue with orange cresting. Always outside in this gloomy yard, they always have to dig holes in, and it's just it has like a lot of painted sets and stuff. The way the mist will blow into the scene, it's wonderful. You're right. It really is more art house than grindhouse. I just love the shots, too, where she makes eye contact with the detective slash ex-boyfriend that set her up. And they're like, I don't know, a mile away, but it does those zoom shots of her just staring them down. Something else that's unique about these two movies is that, again, like we said, with 701, you know, you had her story following her. Most of the movie takes place in the prison. And the last 20, 15 to 20 minutes of the film is her outside the prison getting her revenge. And you have the guards that are kind of like following her, but backing off and just letting her do the things they want to capture her and get her back. But they're not interfering. And then if you look at White Mama, Black Mama, it's the first 15, 20 minutes that's in the prison mm-hmm. And then the rest of the movie is them on the escape, but they never interact with the male characters as well. Like there's no interaction with them until the very end of the movie because everything starts to like come together there. So like they all show up for that big, you know, revolutionary fight with like the bounty hunters involved, the police, the army, all that crazy shit. The pimps come out. We have everything showing up at the end. So it's really neat because both those films are the same movie, but reversed. It's so weird. That one has one of those seventies movie endings. Those, very exploitation kind of movies endings where like shit all comes together in one giant boom like it's like oh and then this gang and that gang and then the cops show up and then this person shows up and then everything and then a, an ape shows up and then like I know a lot White of Mama things. dies for her revolution. Yeah. Revolutionaries sort of come out on top and win, but they've pretty much lost everyone because they wiped out the other side. So in a way they won because they completely annihilated the pimps and the bounty hunters and part of the military. And the military is just kind of there at the end as the last man standing. And they're just like, well, it's good to win. And then you see Pam Grew in a boat and then the credits roll. And you're like, all right, cool. The movie just it's America's premium beer since 1844. Pabst, a lot to look forward to. Tell me why 
Black Mama, White Mama isn't worthy of giving a high-budget remake. Because it has Pam Greer. Unless you're getting her back, why would you do it? It's totally worthy. And like I said, these movies, they're they're original and they still hold. So you can remake it and you have bare bones with a little bit of meat to work off of. And you can make it work. You can update it. and It's got a complicated, rich story. It traverses like a fairly large area of like land and story. There's a lot of complicated shit going on. There's a lot to like do. You could absolutely like invest a lot of money in this, bring a lot of big names into it, update it. The way the movie is presented, though, how it's showing three different stories going on, like Pam Greer being the main plot. But then you have these two side stories with the cop guy, with Sid Haig and with the pimp. That's three sub stories right there. What I would say do with this is you bring this back and make it a fun miniseries. It's a series now. You stretch that shit out and have fun with it. I don't understand how this movie, Black Mama, White Mama, turned out so well because when the movie was pitched, I know you guys can see it, but no one else can see it. I'm showing them the original poster for Black Mama, White Mama. It's an excellent poster. And you, you can get it in black and white. That's how they sold the movie to them. This isn't Pam Greer on the cover. This is literally, this is what your character is going to be, Pam Greer. After they probably wrote the plot and it was a 20-minute movie. Well, they, first first of all, when you're doing a Grindhouse film, you don't write a plot. You just film it and see what you come up with. Well, I think that's probably why it kind of gets really in-depth because they really do a good job of have, connecting all these storylines together. And I'm sure the storylines at first were to like fill up the you know space a little bit because both of my movies are 87 minutes. The perfect runtime. Pay attention, Lexi. And YouTubers. 87 minutes. That's how long you want your movies to be. No more than 90. And look, I will say this. It is it is 87 minutes, but it does feel like two hours. For some reason, this movie did feel longer to me because I was just more captivated and caught up in 701, which to me feels like an hour film. It doesn't feel as long as White Mama, Black Mama. And they're both the same length. It, it feels dragged out. Yeah, Black Mama, White Mama felt really long. There was one point there in the middle that I do feel like it drags. It just drags so bad. And I was like, man, I, I don't really know what's going on anymore. And I just kind of wish it would like get somewhere. And it's weird because that's the point, too, where they start showing you the plot. That one part when Sid, Sid Hag shows up and starts like fucking that dude's daughters. I was like. I could cut this whole scene. I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know where we're going with this. It's just that it shows Sid Haig's a piece of shit because they never readdress it. Right. I was like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what's don't, going he on. He doesn't kill Sid Haig. He still follows him out and does his business. Like, it's so weird. Well, I didn't pick masterpiece. Well, maybe I did. Maybe I did pick some masterpieces. You weren't supposed to pick masterpieces. You picked the perfect. You picked the perfect example of women's prisoner movies. Like you really did for the for the theme of Grindhouse and what you chose. You did, in my humble opinion, pick the perfect two movies to watch. Oh, thank you. I am completely unfamiliar with this genre, so I cannot possibly have any feedback on it. So. Well, here's what I'll say. If you were to pick any other film, they would be very similar, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. The fact that you picked these two movies, it works really well because one's a foreign film, one's sort of American film. And the fact that I said earlier, you have what is the definition of a women's prisoner movie, and then it changes near the end, whereas with the Japanese film, it is throughout the entirety a women's prison movie, and then at the very end, it becomes something else instead of starting off. So they are contradictions and at the same time similar. 
So it's great to showcase them. And your Black Mama, White Mama is actually kind of a remake of the Defiant ones. Yes, it is. I totally forgot. So you about could that. have covered yep. that on your podcast, which is a male version of the movie. Yeah. Is Ilsa She Wolf of the SS a women's prison movie? It's a yes and yeah. a no. But it's also Nazi exploitation. Mm-hmm. Still sex exploitation. Because I'm familiar with yeah. those movies, but I'm not familiar. I was gonna say maybe that those are if those are prison films, and I'm familiar with those, but. With the women's prison films, you got to have nudity, you got to have lesbianism, and you got to have light torture. Okay. And I honestly think that they kind of move a lot slower because they're they are in prison the whole time, and a lot of them I think kind of run out of their their ideas early on. Yeah, and you have to have this weird. It's it's so weird to say, but you have to have like this like wanting lesbian type rape scene. It's so weird the way they do it. But if you notice in both movies, the, the rape yeah, I gotcha. is there. They're clearly being taken advantage about. of, but they try to make it like, well, they want it. They like it. But at the same time, it's like, but do they? It's it's, it's really weird. It it's was. hard to explain. Especially in Prisoner, that scene was really uncomfortable. Yeah. It was unique with that scene because of the fact I said earlier, it was 701. She was the one that started it. And then the and it was the guard that was undercover, and she just was like, "No, no, stop, stop, don't stop, don't stop," and then went for it. And it was like, "What's happening here?" Uh, it was it was kind of a weird like they flipped the script on that one. Instead of making her the victim in that scene, they made her the antagonist. It was so wild. Also, like seven oh one of you're talking like the endings. That is such a strong ending too, because when she finally gets it's a out, great ending. She finally gets out, and she's killing all these people, and like brutally killing them the third or fourth guy gets the phone call that that she's out killing people and like his elevator door opens and she's standing there and he turns around like oh shit like that's such a good so good and her outfit man she looks like a fucking badass i love that hat and that dark coat oh so good i was just gonna say her outfit was incredible i adore her outfit so good so hot Lexi has a new cosplay. I am too fat for that outfit. And she's got like prison trained her because when she tries to kill her ex-boyfriend initially, she's terrible with a knife. And somehow the strength of revenge just powers her. She learns how to fight. Yeah. She is essentially like a superhero. Like I was going to say her costume is mm -hmm. a very 70s anime um, hero like female hero costume, like very typical to like the kind of shit you'd see in like manga from that era. A little era. bit of a, a spy look to it too. And think about the digging hole sequence. That is, it's like impossibly human what she does. There's how many other prisoners and nobody can keep up with her. And she's just barely hanging in there. And not just that, it feels like she did that shit for like 36 hours. Like it feels like she was there for a day and a half. It started with her. After they had already been out there the day before, she worked all night. Then they came out there the day again, so that's like a full day. And then it goes into the night again. It's crazy. Well, if when she punches that rock out and makes the girl fall down and hit her head on the rock in the pit. Fucking seizure her up. Yeah, that shit was good. She fucks them up, too. It's great. There's so many good things when they when they finally, like, riot and they take control of a part of the prison. They, like, negotiate food. And <laughs> when they bring the food in, there's, like... It's just so funny to me because they they hid police officers like in there to be like, we got you. 
which really doesn't even make all that much sense because like they're still kind of out <laughs> they're still kind of outnumbered i like when they took the guards and they were like they, they, they raped the guards <laughs> oh yeah they raped the male guards <laughs> yeah. i'm not gonna lie i like that scene i was like i, I don't mind being a guard but then maybe that's controversial. I don't know. It probably was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's just playing on the male fantasy. Come on now. She gets tortured by men. She gets tortured by women. She gets tortured by literally every person in this movie. Yeah, they chain her up and beat the shit out of her and toy her like a pinata. Yep. It's crazy. Yep, she's so strong. I also love that sequence, too, where they're like going to burn her. Yeah, they flip the script. But yeah, they have that fight where they're like, she's trying to light. At first of all, damn, I don't even know where all that fuel <laughs> why it's there. But uh, that sequence where like they actually do start the fire and then the, the body falls into the pit of fire is pretty awesome. Well, it's great because she's sitting there slowly watching her burn. And then when they shoot, it shows that one of the guns that the officers shoot snaps mm-hmm. the rope. So she just falls into the fire and like screams and yeah. dies out. And then you see like she's kind of disappointed. She's like, I want to slow roast her. Like, she really wanted to make her fucking pay, and she was not going to – like, she wasn't giving a fuck that there was cops and everything else happening outside. She was just sitting there watching this girl slowly burn. Dude, but she had it coming. she flipped that soup onto the girl with the blanket, just grabbed it with yeah, her mouth and just Yeah, her fucking face. Uh, her, like, ninja <laughs> skills. She, like, bites the she bites the wet blanket. That was great. And, the, and they're like, how did you do it? She just, like, didn't say anything and, like, let them beat her. Oh, God. And that first – time that the woman goes down there and is like torturing her and she just turns around and smiles it's it's so yeah. disturbing but it's just it is, like i'm ready for you i don't 701 is like the superior film and it has the best violence and brutality what's fun uh sorry what's cool about white mama black mama is it's just fun it, it, it doesn't have that aggressive brutality. There is violence, but it's not brutal. And it has all the explosions. If you want explosions, watch White Mama, Black Mama. Tons of explosions in that. Tons of gunfire. But with like 701, it's all about fucking vengeance. It's like stabbing. It's gut-wrenching. It's emotional. It's bloody. It's brutal. The brutality in Black Mama, White Mama is a lot quicker too because a lot of it's gun violence. So like when our one of our main character dies, she gets like shot in the face. It's literally yeah. a second shot, and then that character's gone. <laughs> I forget the like second half of Black Mama, White Mama. Like once they're in the jungle, and like there's that point when they get to like that uh, fat dude that they ask to like cut the chain, and then he like threatens them. I kind of like get all muddled after that. I don't really remember like it too, does too get much. muddled, but you're literally talking yeah. about the last 15 minutes of the movie at this point. Yeah, and the, and there, I will say this in their in their defense, the the most violent sequence in White Mama Black Mama is the death of White Mama. Yeah, like that was a good squib shot, like her chest blowing out, like that was cool. And you're just like, oh damn, they did that, and they do that like slow motion still frame where it's like ah. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't remember how they got to the boat. I don't remember how all the people ended up meeting together. I don't know. While she got gunned down in the chest, Pam Greer was getting on the boat cuz Pam Greer looks back and and yells her name. Yeah. Well, I I know that, but I mean like I don't I don't remember how we ended up to like the ending of the film. I'm like and then Well, that's just it. Everyone just ended up there. Like they all just fucking showed up there. Like everyone just happened to go there all these different stories none of them interacted with each other they just all ended up there at the same time They're like oh yeah we're telling a story we've got four side stories happening 
Yeah. And then they all just come together. Like I said, you've got the cop and the military, you've got the bounty hunter, you've got the pimp and, and the and the villains, and you've got Pam Greer and Margaret. And they just they forget that they're like, we oh yeah, we're telling the story. Spend you gotta bring a them back together. A whole lot of time with the rebels to no. really get to know them enough. But the rebels were important and they were necessary to the story, and they end up saving everyone. So it was kind of like well, I feel like we should have known more about these people, but I don't know shit about them. Yeah. And another thing I like too is of the women prison films, these two are great because there's some, there's a, there's a lot more story. There's a lot more action. There's more things happening. And a lot of the normal women prison films, it's mostly just women in jail being tortured, fighting amongst themselves, tons of nudity, tons of weird lesbian rape scenes, uh, and that's like the movie that it's an hour and a half of weird lesbian rape scenes and nudity. Like that's the majority of the film. And then at the very end, there's like a prison riot and they escape. There's some really good or shit in there though. Like that hot box scene could have been an entire movie. If, if you really I'd shot it, it well, <laughs> it is, it's called hot box. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that movie doesn't take place 90, like a hundred percent in that hot box, but yeah, they have the torture box out in the sun and they put the two women in it where it's like all they can do is stand up there. First of all, it's like sauna. They're dehydrated, but they can't touch the size, sides of the metal box. Like, so they can't lay down or anything like that. But that's like the first time they're not even bonded, but like that's the first time where I guess they would start to bond. Then they're not even realizing that they're bonding. Yeah, they're they're doing that sensual bonding. Yeah. Sexy bombs. Sweaty back to back. Rub up and down. And that uh, right they there really is a all female, that, a women's prison. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the most familiar with the entire genre <laughs> of the of the women in prison, but when Chuck came I'm up with the idea of I'm honestly not the biggest fan because, like I said, they're all the same. When Chuck came up with the idea, I was thinking, like, what theme could I put together? And I love 701, and I hadn't watched Black Mama, White Mama before. I bought it a year ago, or maybe two years ago, because that's how I am. But it's something that's been talked about so much with Pam Greer's career that I was like, all right, I'll put these two together because I know prison's a common theme. I'm sure, like, if there was a grindhouse night, you know, sometime in the 70s, they might do, like, several women in prison films back to back to back. So that's what I was trying to. Oh, absolutely. It is a sub niche within a niche. Like it's sexploitation and it's specifically women's prison film sexploitation. And I was trying to cater towards Lexi because this is what she likes. Really niche things. You ever see Turkey shoot? Yes. It's a great movie. That's a great one. That's like a, that's a, uh, what is it? Australian exploitation. Was it Australian? I can't yeah. say the word for exploitation <laughs> or whatever. Ausploitation. I never yeah. heard that. Before. And it's good. It's it is a prison type <laughs> movie, but it's not women's prison. It's a future. You know, it's a futuristic prison exploit. Uh, prison escape film. Here is what critics are saying about Stanley Kubrick's The Clockwork Orange. Vincent Canby of the New York Times wrote, "It is brilliant. A tour de force of extraordinary images, music, words, and feelings. A Clockwork Orange is so beautiful to look at and to hear." That it dazzles the senses and the mind. 
Judith Christ has called it the number one film of the year. She said, Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange stands as a stunningly original work, even as it does full justice to Anthony Burgess's novel. It is in his total vision that Kubrick's mastery of every phase of his art is displayed in bravura style. And now the New York film critics have given A Clockwork Orange their award as best film of the year and have named Stanley Kubrick best director of the year. Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange from Warner Brothers is rated X under 17 not admitted. The two movies that we're discussing on today's episode, you can see them for free on Tubi, but they're yes. both they're both actually Arrow released if you want them in physical media. I actually watched um, worth it. I watched Prisoner on Shutter. So if you do want to watch it without commercials and you have Shutter, watch it on there. Yeah, I was at work and I, I couldn't watch my box sets at the house, so I, I watched Prisoner on Shutter. Did they have all four of them? They have three of the Prisoner ones on Shutter, so I might go back and watch the rest of them because I really enjoy. You it. should. They're great. Uh, there's also on YouTube for uh, Black Mama, uh, White Mama, Black Mama. There's a really good, clean, unedited version uh, on YouTube. I was actually surprised. I was like, I'm watching this on YouTube, and there's like nudity. This is cool. Uh, I watch that shit on Tubi. Well, I was at work and I was like, let me check YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube because I tried I tried Amazon and it was like for rent. And I was like, no, 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 I have this. I'm not going to pay for it. I, I like that it. you're watching it at work. <laughs> yeah. People are like, what are you watching? You're like, oh, it's just a nice thing. Don't worry about it. It's my porn. <laughs> Go away. I'm watching porn. I, I was uh, surprised at the amount of exploitation films on Tubi. I'm like, not. They Tubi's have amazing. So they have much an on awesome there. collection of everything. They have a great collection of sci-fi. They have a great collection of old grindhouse films, exploitation, and just grindhouse in general. And they have an awesome collection of uh, 50s monster movies and uh, 60s monster movies, along with the uh, Japanese monster films as well. Tons of kaiju on there, brother. I Tons hate of the ads, but you know what? It is actually a great place to go. It's wonderful. It, like Almost 90% of the stuff that we're looking for, Tubi's is like your last hope of finding it anyway. Tubi? Tubi is my trash pile that I love to wallow in. They have so much amazing shit on there. I've been finding all these awesome sci-fi movies from back when I was a kid that used to be like sci-fi TV originals yeah. or like straight to DVD. So like they have everything. If you're like, what was around in the late 80s and early 90s? Tubi has it. And it's definitely worth a watch if you want to have a good time. I was doing some like 70s revenge movies. I watched uh, Rolling Thunder. and Yeah, Joe. Rolling Thunder's on there. <laughs> Uh, that oh was actually like a couple months ago I watched that on there. And nice. I think the worst thing about the with the ads, it's not, not bad as like... It drops a 30-second ad and it's the same ad. By the end of the movie, I know the ad by heart. Well, when we did Pluto, it was like more oh. ads than movie. The Pluto ads were rough. Dude, Tubi's got nothing on fucking Pluto. <laughs> They don't like schedule the ads during like scene breaks, like your Hulu and you know the bigger streaming services. So somebody could be like mid speech or like mid action, and then you're watching a two minute commercial about yeah. soap or something. You're just like, okay. But Tubi also has like great t outdated TV shows as well. Yeah, like it's just like a dump. It's just a dump of all this amazing crap that influenced me, and I'm watching it. I'm like, this is where I got my taste. <laughs> all, right, all right, we're we're not here to pre promote Tubi. They ain't paying us. 
I'm just saying, if you want to go and watch a bunch of great films, <laughs> give Tubi a shot because they got a wonderful collection of crap that nobody else wants, and it's Jacob approved. Cinema you know, de More, promoted by Tubi. <laughs> and IPA Sessions. Lexi, are you going to go back and watch the other female prisoner movies now? I mean, I want to. I That's good enough. Probably you won't. want to. That's fair. <laughs> if, if anything, Lexi, you should definitely watch the sequel. I can highly recommend the sequel. You probably like the second one better than the first. Too. This is the sound of a space clock aboard a U.S. satellite 180 miles above the Earth. No one winds up this timepiece. It's powered by a tiny battery, a battery that delivers power for years without replacement. Now the same type of battery, the Duracell battery, can bring new reliability and long life to your battery-operated equipment. Radios, cameras, toys, all run far longer. Duracell batteries, the long-distance power cells, outlast any ordinary battery. The same type of battery that keeps space clocks running for years can bring long life to anything powered by batteries. Dura, as in durable. Cell, as in power cell. The Duracell battery, made by Mallory. I don't watch anything or play anything or do anything unless it's specifically for the podcast anymore. I swear well, to God. I guess we just have to cover yeah, uh, the rest of the Scorpion a movie. Big turd. <laughs> My life I, is I'm like going to start so making busy. things requirements whether we talk about them or not. Right. I'm I'm just so happy that like Lexi always talks about being able to come to your high class show and all the amazing films you guys get to watch, and then you do a whole month of Grindhouse and you invite me back to talk about the love of trashy uh, cinema. Well, what's Thanks. really funny is we get a theme like Grindhouse, and it's still somehow high art compared to what Lexi chooses for us to do. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> And I have the capacity to pick better things, and I don't. Ooh, we could talk about this. Hmm. I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> From a feminist point of view, obviously both of these movies were through the lens of male, exploitative, like we said, but somehow like inadvertently made very strong female protagonists. Mm -hmm. I think just from like the type of movie while they have like the shower prison scene in black mama, white mama, you still have two really strong women that are basically surviving in this br brutal place. And same well, with, it's just like, yeah, the sorry. seven at one. No, it's okay. Seven at one is the same thing. It's like yep. this. And it's all of them though. And seven one, it's the entire group of women prisoners. They're all strong characters. They're all hard as fuck to fight. Yeah. They're like scarier than the guards sometimes. And they all got their own agenda, their own personality. What were you yeah, going to ask great. me? Uh, how do you feel about it from a feminist point of view? Um, I know it's not the strongest, but like inadvertently. I think that seven Oh one is wonderful. I think it is a very strong film. I think it is very good feminist piece i think black mama white mama is from a male perspective pam greer was able to take the character and play it strong i don't think mom white mama was a strong character i think that she no, should have ever. been a strong character especially considering the role that she was i think a better actor could have taken that role and made it better and given pam greer a better character to work off of I think White Mama was the weak link in that grouping because 
even the fight sequences and stuff like Pam Greer was bringing it the whole time, like a hundred percent. Like she, she's sassy. She's, you know, got good lines. She's delivering it. Like she's the best part of the film, but like white mama was very like, uh, like she looked like she was very high and she was very like well, out they, of it the whole time. Very low energy for a revolutionary. The, yeah. Right. They also pointed out that, you know, she was rich and she was, you know, right. Uh, what's the word? She had privilege and even she who's like, well, I'm trying to be a revolutionary. I got this idea. I want to be different. And even in prison, she was still like, well, I'd rather, you know, be lesbian with the guard than, you know, have to like fight for my, you know, my jello at the end of the it's day. It's about the acting. It's about the way that the character portrayed itself. Like there were some really high moments from like, I think the prison warden was excellent. I think she was a great character. I thought she was really strong. I thought she brought it right up to the end. I think that some of the guards are really great characters. I don't think White Mama was a very strong character. So even she was a lead character who was supposed to be with Black Mama, who is a very strong character. These two are supposed to be playing off of each other. This is clearly a buddy flick. We didn't get that with this. So like, that's the whole point is like, you need a good duo. They, we didn't get good duo chemistry and they didn't work off of each other. Well, we only had one good part to that. And I think like that was the weak link in that film was should that Pam part Greer have been chained to Sid Haig. Is that how it should have been? That would have been a better film. That would have been. Interesting <laughs> I mean, he's film. in almost all of her films. They, they did so many films together. He even came over into the black exploitation films. He's in coffee. He's in all this stuff. That she's he made. was the other strong part of that film. Like he was the other Man, best he was a piece actor of shit. film, was great. but he was the other strong actor in the film. Like I'm just like when we're talking about like strong characters, strong actors in the movie, like strong representation. Like the two best characters in the film were her and him. And I also really, really liked the um, Filipino pimp. He was another yeah. great actor. Like he was very skeevy. He was excellent. Like those were your other I ones. I liked the cop, but he he had that potential to be better, and it fell just a little short. But he was pretty interesting the revolutionary leader was sexy but he didn't bring enough game to the yeah, table so I like I, yeah and the pimp was like gross but like totally the pimp was excellent like bill yeah, he was perfect his part he did it excellent mm-hmm. like it was exactly what i expect i like those like character types he did that hypothetical now they're remaking black mama white mama pam greer is signed on she's gonna reprise her role <laughs> who's chained to i'm her? here for it Tilda Swinton. Oh, God, I can't think of her name. That's your white mama. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's my white mama. Tilda fucking Swinton. That's my white mama. Now at Penny's, authentic Batman toys and games. New and exciting. Wow. Batman and Robin color portrait, $1. Batman periscope, 77 cents. Batman doll, only $9.98. Batman horn, 77 cents. Batman card game, exciting fun for $1.19. Batman game by Milton Bradley, only $2.66. Batman and Robin button, 33 cents. Authentic cape and mask, 99 cents a set. Batman belt, only a dollar. And a wrist radio for only $3.99. Now at seven big penny stores, North Park, Big Town, Richardson, Casaview, and Lancaster Keast in Dallas, Seminary South in Richland Hills in Fort Worth. Be the first to have one of these new toys or games and receive free trading cards and Batman rings. Hurry to Penny. All I can think of is she's not her picture. Diane Susan Lee? Sarandon. Susan, oh, Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's my white mama. She actually would probably be a really good white mama. Yeah, dye her hair blonde. She could do it. They have to be blonde. No, not Susan Sarandon. She can be whoever. Who would she you can. recast for the roles of Pam Greer and Margaret, whatever her name is? Zendaya. <laughs> and who else? As both characters. As both characters. Yeah. Zendaya and who else? For both characters? Uh, Florence Pugh and, and Zendaya. <laughs> I don't even know who Florence Pugh is. Uh, Midsummer. Yeah. I'm here for oh, this. Midsummer. Okay. Visually, I can see it. And also a weak actor. Yeah, I'm there for it. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. Midsummer is a great movie. Yeah. Oh, my God, Jacob. Jesus Christ. Look, I love everything Did that you guy see makes. Little women? Silmar is not that great. I enjoyed it, but I've seen better. Did you see it's Little Women? Man. What? Did you see Little Women? What? Did you see Little Women? What? Did you see Little Women? Did you really just ask Jacob if he saw Little Women? I asked him like five times and he just From said the 80s? what? <laughs> 80s or the 70s? That old one? The 2020s. Like, which oh, which remake man. of it has he seen? There's been so many. <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen that original from like, because I had to watch it in school. Like the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s. I was going to say, I was really hoping he was asking specifically which Little Women I was talking about and had not seen any of them regardless. Was it the 70s one? Was it the 80s one? Tuck Finn. Which version? The 90s one or the 90s one? Or the <laughs> 90s one? It's the one with Brad Renfro. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> I do love that movie. I have seen that movie. And I used to own it a long time ago on VHS. And what's her face before she was all that? How, how can we bring Jonathan Taylor Thomas into this remake of Black Mama, White Mom? <laughs> he plays the pimp. He has to. Yeah, the pimp would be a good role. <laughs> he's, he's the pimp. Okay. Got to reprise it. Got to get his career back up and running. And Michael J. Fox will play um, Sid Haig's part. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm all for this mess of a hypothetical remake. And uh, don't touch Scorpion. Leave it the fuck alone. Actually, that should be the title of the sequel. Don't touch Scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> AKA leave it the fuck alone. Uh, I would be cool with another one. That happens a lot. <laughs> see many wild stallions anymore. No, you don't see many wild stallions anymore. And even if he did run off three of your best mares, he's one of the last of a wild and very singular breed. Japan's been doing it for a while. Like they did another Zatoichi movie like years later and it's the same. Uh, yeah, it's great. I own that one. It's good. 
Yeah. I actually never knew that it was a legacy film. I, I got the the one that came out in 2000 and I was like, this is a cool ass movie. That's a great and then movie. And I found out there's all these films from the sixties and I was like, Oh, it's like a legacy thing. This is a franchise. This is a continuation. This yeah, is awesome. I didn't know that. And either. those movies are great too. But that 2000s one was fucking great. It's a Takeshi Miike. Yeah, it was excellent. Zatoichi is great. I like that one. Uh, I believe it's Takeshi Miike. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that was him. I just liked it. The only thing I found interesting, too, while watching these movies was the Jonathan Demme credit. He wrote Black Mama, White Mama, and he's he's the director for The Silence of the Lambs. And I just thought that that was kind of weird roots for him to come from like i actually kind of want the silence of the lambs like from the writer of black mama white mama yes yeah, so many amazing uh, writers directors producers came out of those you know philippines uh 70s tropical movies like they all started out there that's where they all got joe dante got his fucking start there like <laughs> he was one of the first out there and look at him now <laughs> where is he i don't know who he is Joe Dante, he did uh, Gremlins. Oh, I like that That's movie. That's it. He's never made another movie. Just Gremlins. Okay. Jacob's looking around like he's nervous. Right. <laughs> the the <laughs> I, I'm in I'm in this room and the the auto just came on for the heater and I don't have the controller next to me to turn it off so I was just trying to keep it quiet. Oh, okay. You it's like a horror film like your screen's gonna go black and we're like, well, he looked really nervous before he disappeared. <laughs> he yeah he died on camera. That'd be really sad, but our lessons, our lessons would probably go way up for the murder. Of that do what you gotta do. And then after do what you gotta do. R.I.P. Jacob. That's just what the titles of the episodes called. I love it. <laughs> well, this is fun. I'm so glad you guys brought me back. Thank you so much, Lexi. Thank you, Justin. Uh, I cannot wait for the next one. And Chuck's picks next week, which is. And he was kind enough to invite me on for that discussion as well. So I'm going to do my very best to come back and do a trifecta with y'all. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I bought the movies. Lucio Fulci. I got them. I got them. They're great. I tell you right now, the City of the Living Dead off the bat is my favorite. So I'm excited. Uh, Oh, I was going to say, I'm not super excited about that one. It's not my favorite of the two of those. It's mine because it's set in the bayous of Louisiana and it's none of it is correct. I personally wish he had picked zombie with the eye yeah because that has a zombie shark. that punches a shark in the face <laughs> yeah, the shark it's so <laughs> like it's the dead. best then yeah. and also the demons films are really good i like those a lot yeah those are actually really good i just watched them for the first time like those are great they're, fan- they're fantastic those are just like have some you seen the, the third demons absurd. demons yeah. three the ogre <laughs> i didn't see that one but i really appreciate the guy driving around on the motorcycle with the sword killing all yeah. the demons yeah those, those movies are excellent. Those are so strange. Hopefully, too. Like, and we do have another demon movie this month. We have a new Evil Dead movie. Oh yeah, Hopefully I saw it that. Can, it I'm can, here for it. It can bring forward the energy of the dirt bike in the forest. We're at Taco Bell with Clang, the famous gourmet monster. He's about to discover our two for a quarter sale. How's that? Well, you buy a taco for a quarter, and we give you a free tostada. Okay, here's your quarter. And here's your taco, <laughs> and your free tostada. Good, huh? <laughs> Well, that's Taco Bell's two-for-a-quarter sale. And that was Taco Bell's cash register. Taco Bell is a nice place to eat. You ate the cash register. Yeah, take up. Please plug your podcast. Or whatever you want yeah. to. Plug it. I mean, you're going to plug in the podcast every week. Do you want to plug I'll do it every time, podcast. yeah. IPA Sessions, a podcast for independent artists. Come on, check out my show. It's great. And if you're an independent artist, please reach out. 
and, you know, share your journey and your experience with everyone so they can know the struggles and the triumphs of how fun it can be to do your own work independently. You know, if you've got a passion, fucking pursue it. Listen to my show. It's there to inspire you and encourage you while giving you the reality check that you need to make sure it's something that you're really willing to uh, dive into. And this season has been great. I've had on uh, an amazing deathmatch wrestler. I had on a stunt performer. I've had on incredible musicians, uh, content creators, writers, uh, directors. Uh, It's all kinds of good stuff. And I got a very special guest coming up soon, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I get to have one of Kevin Smith's producers come on and talk about what it's like to be a producer for a big independent company and how that starts. So that's a really exciting episode. Come on my show. You can talk to me about what it's like being an artist because I live in the swamps and I don't know what that's like. And I drink IPAs. That's why I named my show after beer. No, I don't drink IPAs. I prefer blonde ales. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) I like IPA Sessions Podcast. Check it out. I'm on all podcast platforms, YouTube and TikTok. I got these two crazy fucks on, and hopefully we'll have Chuck on soon, and I'll get all three of you to do a little Chuck's rehash not even on his own updates show. and everything. <laughs> no, Chuck's not even That's on why his, I'm here. This is his <laughs> month, and he's not even here. He couldn't that even make bastard. it his own party. Uh, just on the next episode, just introduce me as Chuck, and I'll talk about his films. Okay, that sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's time for me to talk about my movies. I'm Chuck. I have really big sideburns. That's what you think Chuck sounds like. I have, I have really sideburns. big sideburns. I can do this. You can totally be Chuck. Uh, Jacob sound like a river a person. You make store. Chuck sound like Stephen Hawking or something. I'll I'll, I'll try and reel back the uh, Hick accent uh, as a, best I can. I have a Pennsylvania in our sideburns. Yen's <laughs> like that movie. You're making me think of a. Uh, um, I can't which. talk as deep as Chuck. I can't do it. You don't want to. You're you're working in the opposite direction. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it should be physically impossible now. <laughs> you wake up talking like Chuck and you're like, fuck. Yeah, right? It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> if you talk like Chuck too much, you'll end up being one of those women that has that raspy cigarette voice. So I talk like a Dr. Girlfriend on Venture Brothers. Yeah, Dr. Girlfriend. I don't hate that, though. If we had a podcast that was just raspy cigarette woman, I <laughs> I'm not mad I would at listen that. to it if that yeah. was like the title of the podcast. Welcome to Raspy Cigarette Woman. I'm here to talk to you in my Raspy Cigarette voice. You just cough. I'm a feeling lot. a bit verklempt amongst yourselves. I've gone down to Dottie's today to gamble. I bought six packs of Virginia Slims. I embroidered my own hat. <laughs> <laughs> I did it while I was oh, God, in this the show now. In this, this is too much. <laughs> I was doing it at the VLTs today. I did it when Martha came down. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of the episode, Jacob. <laughs> Bye. I think I cut you off mid box. Baranya,
I'll say this now, the Superior film is 701, but I will be going on about Pam Greer because she's one of my sex icons. I'd still fuck her. <laughs> 